This is Killstreak. baby Belials. It's Killstreak episode, I think, 157. I usually check before, but I didn't. I just ran, flew right into this uh, introduction. I'm Eric Goslin. Joining me here, as always, Mr. Mike Price. Mike, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm okay. It's a, it's a crazy time. Uh, we're in the final countdown. My movie, we... You know, principal photography starts on Friday. Um, And thanks to my wonderful friends and family and you, the listeners of Killstreak, uh, we got very funded. I mean, you heard last week we had already hit our goal. Well, we ended up basically hitting 200%, which is awesome. It's great. Uh, It's great to hear. I know it's all going to be put to good use. Yeah, if it makes you guys feel better, if you're like, oh, we gave them him too much money, I have already spent it, and yeah. I'm already over budget again. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's making movies for you right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, oh, since Mike is going to be filming next weekend, he's gonna be really busy. So, no episode, no episode next week. Yes, we're um, taking yeah. a one week breather. Before we start will our next I re- series. Will I throw a new coat of paint onto the theme song? Ooh. We'll see. Ooh. Typically I do. Yeah. When it's the start of a new season. And these seasons are pretty meaningless. <laughs> <laughs> in terms. Yeah. I think we like broke one season off in the middle of Child's Play. <laughs> yeah, I think that's correct. Um, <laughs> this, is, this would be season four. Is that right? No, it'll be five. Five. It will be five, yeah. Yikes. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, it hasn't been five years. These are like seasons of like, uh, you know, some show. I don't know. Fuck. <laughs> there you go. Good. This is going to be good. good. This is going to be a good episode, I'm pretty sure. Um, They're all good. We've never had a bad episode. Yeah. Yeah. That's That's definitely right. Um, okay, cool. Uh, did you watch anything interesting this week? No. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. I watched, um, Basket Case 3. Mm-hmm. And I was, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that wasn't interesting. I'm sure. That was all. Sure. All I really watched, uh, you, you saw a couple of things you were telling yeah, me. Yeah, I went to the movies twice this week, just because I think I needed to take a break and, um, you know, locking myself in a theater with my phone off works better than trying to watch a movie at home. Yeah. It's just inevitably I will dive back into all this fucking shit I got to do. Um, yeah, I saw two movies that are both genre f- pictures, but not horror. Um, but yeah, I want to say last Thursday I saw John Wick 4. 
Uh, I want to see that. I thought it was good. I had a good time. Uh, I liked it more than I liked three, uh, which I thought was like a little bit of a decline from the first two movies. So mm-hmm. this one is is more of a piece with the first two in terms of, of my level of enjoyment. Um, That's good. It's long as shit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's all, I think it's three hours, basically. Yeah, I think it is. They just can't. Nobody can help themselves anymore. I'll say this, though. Like, the scope of the the wacky world of John Wick, it's like, it actually, similar to an Avatar-type situation, you're like, well, it kind of makes sense. I mean, there's just, like, they do so much stuff in the movie. They go to so many places. There's water John Wicks. <laughs> there's going to be fire John Wicks in the next one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's correct. Um, I think there was some fire in this one. I can't remember. Um, Spoiler. Yeah, but I mean, that was getting good reviews, and so uh, I agree with those reviews. Perhaps the bigger surprise was I went to go see Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves, uh, and I enjoyed it just as much, if not more. Um, It was surprisingly well done. Uh, That's good to hear. I'm going to try to see that this week, I think. Yeah. If I'm not too lazy after work. Yeah, don't don't be lazy. Um, and as I said in my letterbox review, Dungeons and Dragons at 134 minutes, practically a short film. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's oh, man. Well, speaking of short films, I was gonna say it is just so arduous now. The run, some of the run times. Mm-hmm. Although with, there's some good movies though that are that are long. Yeah, but uh, Basket Case three, 92 minutes. Um, I would say but an hour and 20 minutes of original content. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The end credits have credits for basket case two footage and basket case one footage. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was pretty, pretty funny when I was watching it. I timed it. Yeah. It's like seven minutes of, of oh. stuff. Oh, that's, that's less than I even thought. Yeah. Or maybe eight. Although seven know. minutes of recycled content in a movie <laughs> it's is, a lot. is a lot. Yeah. For- yeah, well, we'll get it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Sure. <clears throat> um, so, Basket Case Three: The Progeny, um, is the final film in the Basket Case series. It doesn't sound like Frank Cannonlotter has any real plans to make a fourth one. No. Um, it was released in fall of 1991. Um. Obviously, there are no box office statistics for this film. No. Um, There's no real budget either, um, but my money says more than Basket Case and less than Basket Case 2 is is my best guess. Um, Once again, um, produced by James Glickenhouse and Leonard Shapiro and Edgar Ivins, distributed by Shapiro Glickenhouse Entertainment. Um. Really good looking um, production card at the beginning. Shapiro Glickenhaus. Shapiro. Yeah. yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did. I enjoyed it's cool. it. I liked it. Um, yeah, we love a good eighties, uh, nineties title card for sure. Um, this time around, again, um, you know, we have uh, Frank Henlotter directing and writing, although he's taken on. A co-screenwriter here, a guy named Bob Martin, um, who 
who wrote novelizations of Brain Damage and Frankenhooker. Oh, right. Okay. Which is a pretty wild way to become a screenwriter by writing novelizations of the previous movies in the in the series. I mean, well, which I guess isn't quite true, but it's the director's previous movies. I remember um, Hennon and Lauder talking about this on Last Drive-In. Mm-hmm. And I actually, since he talked about how he just let him do whatever he wanted. Okay. And um, I downloaded it. I think you can get it for free or, or it's like not that much money. I downloaded the novelization for Basket Case. So I do yeah. <laughs> intend to read it at some point. Yeah. Oh, and I, I sort of misspoke. Oh, not Basket Case, Brain Damage, sorry. Brain damage. I sort of misspoke. Um, he wrote the novelization for Brain Damage, and then he wrote co-wrote the script for Frankenhooker. So that's when he made oh, the, that's why. the jump uh, to working with Henenlotter on the movies. And so then he is back here. Although, I mean, unless my brain is really um, abandoning damaged. me. <laughs> or damaged. Uh, that's sort of indisputable. Um, <laughs> stuff I put in my body. Yeah, <laughs> uh, for a decade plus. Um, but he did not. He did not co-write Basket Case Two, um, which I bring up only because it's it breaks you know that chronology. Then that Frankenhooker, uh, and although maybe did we determine that Frankenhooker perhaps was produced just after Basket Case Two? Um, we couldn't. F- oh, I think I don't know. I don't know actually. Yeah, I think we figured it out or we speculated, but I don't really yeah. know. Yeah. Anyways, um, uh, either way, it's neither here nor there. Um, it makes not a ton of difference. We have a different cinematographer. Um, oh God, is that true? <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you. It's been a busy week. I'm feeling sharp as a tack today. Um, yeah. The cinematographer is... Yes, it is a different person. Thank God. I was confused because I had two Roberts written down. Um, so Bass Case 2 was a guy named Robert Baldwin. This is Robert Pione. P-A-O-N-E. Pione. Or Pay One. I don't know. Could be. Um, yeah. Uh, same effects. Gentleman. Um, what did we determine his name was? You guys remember. You can listen to last week's episode. Yeah, you can listen to last fine. week's episode. Um, listen. There's not a whole ton of information about Basket Case 3. Um, there's even some conflicting, mildly conflicting interview subject with Henenlotter. What? So he um, refers to his relationship with Shapiro Glickenhaus as being great. Um, he liked working with them. Uh, in one interview, he says uh, a lot of nice things about the cast and crew of this movie. But then in another interview and this, and again, these things don't aren't completely mutually exclusive, but he essentially alludes to this idea that he did not want to make this movie, which I don't know what to make of that. Honestly, because hmm. he, that is interesting. he doesn't give a ton of detail. Um, and I looked, I'll tell you, I looked and I looked, I'll say uh, Robert Payone, Payone, whatever, mm-hmm. Payone, um, cinematographer for Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD. Oh, okay. Trauma movie. So perhaps. Which I don't like very much. You know, want to know something funny about that movie for reasons completely unbeknownst to me. It is 
often the autoplay on Peacock after I finish anything. Really? So, yeah. So I was watching Big Lebowski a number of nights, like a couple weeks ago. And I would keep waking up at 4.30 in the morning and Sergeant Kabuki Man would be playing on my computer. <laughs> um, which was weird, I gotta tell you. But uh, It's a PG-13 trauma movie. Yeah. Trying for the mainstream. Yeah. Not good. A little misguided uh, as yeah. far as efforts go. Um, yeah, so this is... This was the last movie Han and Lauder made for many years. Um, there was a 17-year interval between The Progeny and 2008's Bad Biology, which I have not seen. Neither have I. Um, and Bad Biology is also his last narrative feature film. He has uh, directed or co-directed a number of documentaries in the years since, but that's it. So... You know, really, it's interesting, you know, this guy who has this this real reputation as this sort of master of exploitation and schlock, uh, really, it's just a, a six-movie run. Um, yeah. And the bulk of those movies, the real run, is just the five movies from 82 to 91. Now, I'm not, this is not me besmirching the reputation of bad biology. I simply just, I can't speak to its quality. Um, yeah, same. I can say that now I have seen all of Frank Henenlotter's other features from 82 mm-hmm. to 91. Um, what did we think of this latest one? Well, I think we'll take a quick break and then we'll discuss our plots and thoughts. Not our plots. You, you know, all right, goodbye. <laughs> well, I mean, not like goodbye. But like, come back. Yeah, come back. Don't stop. Thinking about tomorrow. Don't. Stop. It'll soon be here. All right, bye. Hi. Remember me? You met them in Basket Case 1. Dwayne and Belial, Siamese twins who were hacked apart by doctors. In Basket Case 2, you met Granny Ruth and a variety of other unique individuals. Love was in the air, among other things. And now, in Basket Case 3, the twisted tale of brotherly love continues with a few little changes. She's pregnant, Wayne. Your brother's girlfriend is pregnant. You mean I'm going to be an uncle? Sit back and hold on tight, because Granny Ruth and the rest of the gang are hitting the road. They're heading south to meet up with some old friends. You never look there. <laughs> Miss Mackerel, how are you? I'm so glad you came. To meet up with some old family. <laughs> and to give a hand with a little childbirthing. But that warm hospitality of the South is about to turn ice cold. Dwayne, it's not my fault. You're a major criminal. 
Eve is dead. The babies are gone, and the town of Peachtree Valley will never be the same. in there. There's supposed to be more of them at Duck Rockwell's? That's what Bailey and Baxter said. How do you know they aren't outside right now? How do you know they ain't creeping up on us in the dark waiting to get in here and break them out? Break them out? You mean they're gonna stage an old-fashioned jailbreak? <laughs> Granny Ruth is gathering her forces and preparing for battle. What do you want from me, Sheriff? I want Belial. You give me Belial, I give you the babies. We got a deal? All right, Sheriff. Tonight, midnight, at the old factory on the edge of town. Mr. Sheriff Griffin! Belial! Sheriff Griffith has made the deal of his life. But the Bradley twins are waiting with a few tricks up their sleeves. For Dwayne, Belial, Granny Ruth, and the rest of the family, this is the mother of all battles. You little bastard. The Bradley twins are back. And getting even was never better. Jeez, this is going to be some family. Basket case three. It's time to build a bigger basket. After crudely trying to sew his monstrous former conjoined twin Belial back onto his side at the end of the previous film, <gasps> Dwayne Bradley is re-separated from Belial and put in a straitjacket and padded cell in Granny Ruth's haven for unique, in, in parentheses, deformed individuals. After several months of captivity, Dwayne is released by Granny Ruth, who's preparing to take everyone on a road trip to the home of her ex-husband, Dr. Hal Rockwell, who will help in giving birth to Belial's equally misshapen girlfriend Eve's babies. Wow, not a lot of punctuation in, in this uh, description so far. <laughs> There's a lot of information, though, I'll say that. Yeah. Before leaving for the trip, Granny Ruth sternly tells Dwayne to stay away from Belial, who has stopped speaking to Dwayne telepathically after Dwayne's attempt to put them back together. While traveling via bus to Hal's house in Peachtree County, the group stops at a drugstore, where Granny Ruth meets local sheriff Andrew Griffin, while Dwayne, attempting to wiggle, wriggle out of a bus window, meets the sheriff's daughter Opal, whom he tries to convince to help Belial and him escape. 
Before Dwayne can talk to Opal any further, Granny Ruth returns, boards the bus, and heads back on track to Hal's house, leaving sweet-talked Sheriff Griffin into letting her leave despite the bus being illegally parked. Eventually <laughs> reaching Hal's home, Dwayne escapes out of a window after Granny Ruth decides to give him a chance and removes his straitjacket. As Dwayne is imprisoned by Opal and several officers in the local jail, Eve prepares to give birth, which is complicated when Belial mauls Hal, the sight of him in surgical attire causing him to remember his original separation from Dwayne. With Hal incapacitated, Belial is drugged to calm him down, and the birth of Eve and his twelve children is overseen by little Hal, the multi-armed blob-like prodigy of Hal and Granny Ruth. I think they meant progeny there. Shortly after Eve and Belial's children are born, deputies Bailey and Baxter break into the Rockwell house, having realized a million-dollar reward has been offered for the capture of both Dwayne and Belial. While the freaks party, <laughs> Bailey and Baxter find the sleeping babies, mistaking the groggy Eve for Belial, shoot and kill her before fleeing with the babies when the freaks come after them. At, at night. <laughs> they only come out at night. At the police station, Sheriff Griffin finds his daughter in the midst of trying to seduce Dwayne in a dominatrix attire and sends her away, shortly before Bailey and Baxter arrive with the babies. Griffin sends Bailey and Baxter back to their homes and goes off to see what is going on at the Rockwell residence, leaving officers Brennan, Banner, and Brody in charge of the station. Breaking into the Rockwell house, Sheriff Griffin finds Ruth in the freaks in the midst of mourning the dead Eve. And the sheriff, disturbed by the sight of the freaks and little Hal, hurries back to the station, which Belial has broken into. As Belial attacks Brennan, Banner, and Brody, Opal releases Dwayne from his cell, hoping he can stop Belial. Belial kills Brennan by crushing his throat, causing his eyes and teeth to pop out, and rips Banner's head off before trying to maul Brody, who accidentally blasts Opal, who crushes one of the babies in her death throes, uh, with his shotgun, prior to having his neck snapped by Belial. Putting Belial in the basket, Dwayne runs from the station just as Sheriff Griffin appears and opens fire, injuring Belial. Wanting to help Belial reclaim his babies and take revenge on the remaining police, Dwayne makes up with Belial and has little Hal construct a robotic exoskeleton for him, which Belial uses to butcher Bailey and Baxter. At Eve's there. funeral, Granny Ruth uh, rallies the grieving freaks, and they all... <laughs> the freaks always gets me. Uh, the grieving freaks, and they all travel to the police station where Sheriff Griffin... Grieving over his dead daughter, offers them a deal. Belial for the babies. Granny Ruth agrees to the sheriff's offer and tells him to show up at an abandoned factory on the outskirts of, uh, of town for the trade. After the meeting at the station, Granny Ruth and the freaks ransack a fast food restaurant, scaring away all the customers, much to the chagrin of the staff. Arriving at the factory with the babies and a shotgun for protection, Sheriff Griffin is ambushed by Belial and the two fight. 
Belial has the upper hand due to his exoskeleton. After seemingly killing Sheriff Griffin with a blow to the head from his mechanical claw, Belial goes to retrieve his children, but the recovered sheriff ambushes and trips him. Flailing about in his armor, Belial scores a hit against Sheriff Griffin, who is swarmed and killed by the babies when he falls into their cradle. With the babies reclaimed, Granny Ruth, Dwayne, Belial, and the freaks attack a talk show entitled Ronaldo. Belial mauls the titular host. Speaking into the camera, Granny Ruth tells the world that the freaks will no longer hide in the shadows and will fight back if oppressed. She finishes her speech by telling everyone to have a nice day. All now right. the freaks will come out during the day yeah. as well. <laughs> now they're not limited to just the night. <laughs> okay. That is the plot. A basket case three. Mike, this is a first time viewing for both mm. of us. Mm. Um, what did you think of basket case three? The progeny. The progeny. Blood and guts check. Um just in case uh, you didn't watch this movie, which Let's be honest, you probably didn't. Um, if listening to that synopsis and navigating the Bailey, Baxter, Banner, Bradley, Belial's yeah. babies stuff uh, seemed overwhelming. It's also uh, a joke in the script. There's a whole scene where they do uh, a bunch of alliterations. Yeah. I don't know if that makes it better or worse, but just, you know, thought that was information that people at home might like to have. Yeah. Um, okay. Basket case three, the progeny. Um, all right, here's what I'll say. It, it follows a somewhat similar arc of palatability to the last one. Um, but I think this is the one that broke me. Um, and I spent a lot of my time watching this movie thinking to myself, I bet you would have loved this when you were 16. Um, but I just couldn't get there because it's it's loud and obnoxious and chaotic. And it's not really a horror movie until like that big massacre scene in the in at the beginning of the third act. And and so uh, yeah, I think, but the thing is, is it's like, it feels like, to, this feels like a very subjective take almost. Um, it gets not so much informed by uh, any hard facts. It's more just like, you know, this one, like the, like the second one, it was losing me at the beginning. It took too long to get me back and it didn't do quite enough to get me back to the point where I enjoyed it in totality as much as I did Bass Case 2. Um, well, you said this is the one that broke you. This, to me, is the one that invigorated me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's all of those things, and I liked it for that. It's a wild, weird movie, and I was really just... So, <laughs> I started watching it, um, and my wife was in the room, Mm -hmm. And I was expecting her to get up and walk away. And it starts with the flashback from the end of the last movie. It starts with the yeah. sex scene. And I was like, hey, mm -hmm. actually, you should watch this part. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, the baby popping out of the belly. Um, and then it just continued to s that 
fever pitch throughout the entirety of the movie yeah in a way that i found really satisfying and i was never bored uh-huh. um and i laughed at some of the jokes too it's like, okay. even though they're like pretty dumb like I, I mean, yeah. i'm fine with dumb shit it just really did remind me of the energy that we have like adam dio dio and jim martin and i had when we made like the second yeti movie and the first one and like the other movies we've made there's mm-hmm. just a, like a fever pitch of weirdness that is just yeah. meant to overwhelm almost <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah so that's that's that was my that's my blood and guts check okay well let me let me jump right into maybe two specifics that really worked against the movie for me and I'd love to hear your takes on on them. Yeah. Um one would be the early musical number. Oh yeah. Uh personality, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so it's just a Broadway standard. Yeah. Being sung by Auntie Ruth and and I think the freaks sort of sing along is that Yeah, right? they like they mumble and screech and yeah uh, yeah that part sucks <laughs> okay okay yeah, i don't like that part <laughs> but i also was like this is so fucking stupid that it's kind it of is. awesome yeah i mean and it, it kind of felt like it and this is not an insult really but it, in in this portion of the movie it feels like it's it's almost like hen and lotter is like let's do a this is like a muppets movie with my freaks yeah with it my is basket it does have freaks. that that like Muppets movie chaos yeah. feeling to it, which is something I respect more than I enjoy. Um, so the thing that actually forced me to turn this off and then pick it back up days later was uh, the very, very long shot of little Hal videotaping the birth. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And his, acting quote unquote and his reactions to what's going on and it and it did like it really felt like something where i was like there is no editorial oversight here there is no director telling him to to do anything other than hey go crazy yes it felt that was all clearly improv and Mm -hmm. i feel like they on set probably enjoyed that way more than we did because i agree that that guy sucks and yeah i did not like that. I liked the amount of babies. I thought that was pretty funny. But his like commentary, I right. found very tiring. Yeah, yeah, and that was kind of the stuff that kind of, and and those things come in fairly quick succession in the first act of the movie. And I will say that like when we get to the police station massacre, I was like, this is what I would like more of. Mm. Because it's still chaotic and it's still absurd, um, but at least it's like grounded in what what drew me into this series in the first place, which was a murderous freak in a basket. Yeah, yeah, not not a choir of freaks singing personality. I do like the freaks, though; they're pretty funny. I really, I laugh. Here's a couple of things that I laughed at. Dwayne's performance, it's like at this, this movie almost seems meta in that mm. he, 
they're just embracing that he's not a good actor. It did. They make <laughs> it did do seem like they were stuff. serving him a little better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So I was laughing about that. Anytime he had to do something, because he's he's not good. He's not good at all. Um. And then I loved uh that the baby that died with Susan was named Bernard. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, you killed Susan and Bernard. Don't it's like, oh yeah, I guess the baby did die as well. Yeah. Um The Coffee Cart? <laughs> that was so wild. This movie's so wild. It, like, I don't know. I was just charmed by it. Hey, no, I'm happy for you, man. Coffee I really it? am. Um Did you notice that in this one scene when the bus pulls away from when it's illegally parked, that Belial's basket clearly falls off of the U-Haul in the shot, and then in the next shot, it's just fine. No, just, I did not. They I just did not catch take. that. Yeah, that's good. That is funny. Um, I didn't talk about the performers much yeah. in our intro section. Um, did any of the new characters leave a positive impact on you? Um. Yeah, I mean, not specifically. I wasn't like, oh, this person's a star. But I also mm-hmm. didn't really think that about any of the movies other than like Casey. Who's back? Casey's back in this one. Uh, In the uh, Casey's Mighty, uh, the fast food restaurant. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, yes, she, she makes an appearance as a fast food worker. Yeah. Uh, Bonnie. Well, I think it's. What's uh, is oh it's not it's not actually uh that character? I mean it may be. I don't remember her getting name checked uh oh. at any point. Maybe she's got a little name tag on or something. Well, I cuz the, the restaurant is called Casey's Mighty or something like that. And so I, I missed thought that. maybe it was like her restaurant that she opened. Perhaps that's which I true. I thought was a fun I, I, for her. I'll give that to you. You were paying more attention, I'm sure, at most points in this movie than me. I was also very high when I watched it. Okay, <laughs> I was pretty stoned. Okay. So that might have in fact, uh, uh, affected my enjoyment of it, but I, mm-hmm. I stand by it so far. Okay. Um, I really like that long shot of little Hal looking down at the sheriff. You know yeah, know when like it reveals all of... up to him. Yeah, was... yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, did you know that that guy's a co- like a like a fucking writer, like a sitcom writer? Really? The uh, which it's, one? The little Hal. Little Hal. Yeah, little no. Hal. His name's Jim O'Doherty. Uh, he wrote on um, Third Rock from the Sun, mm. the Tracy Morgan Show. Okay. Uh, some other stuff. Grounded for Life. I don't know what the fuck that is, but yeah, he was nominated for an Emmy. So he's got to be good. Yeah, well, he's got to. That means you got to be good. Yeah. Um, I thought that the babies, one of the babies, should have just been a normal baby. That would be funny. That would I be like funny. That that's idea. my that's my pitch. To, that's to a good pitch. This thirty year old movie. <laughs> yeah, that's weird, right? This movie's oof. 32 years old. Yeah. This movie's um, old enough to be a to be an MD. Let me think. Looking at my notes, I mean, I don't have, like, a ton. I mean, I have... Well, to, let, did anybody stand out to you? Um, or any sequences? Um, 
I mean, yeah, I've mentioned it a bunch of times, but at the police station, as I refer to it, the police station massacre, beginning with, uh, so we have the the new character, the the sheriff's daughter, um, Opal, is that her name? Yeah. Um, like, just nonsensically, completely, there's not, I, again, maybe I missed something. Maybe there was something earlier in the script that suggested that at some point she would come in to the jail and strip into a dominatrix, dominatrix outfit. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just stupid shit. <laughs> yeah, and then try to seduce Dwayne, who she's been basically blowing off for the entire movie up to this point. Well, it's like, to me, it all read as a power thing. I mean, no, no pun, you know, obviously she's in a dominatrix, but she, like, gets him arrested and then taunts mm-hmm. him in prison. Yeah. It was like getting off on the whole power of it all. Um, okay. So that didn't really, I mean, other than it's ridiculous that she's in a fucking dominatrix outfit, that didn't really feel incongruous, incongruous with her character to me. Um, okay. But I was, yeah, what I was going to say is the rest of that sequence um, is great. It's yes. the, certainly my favorite part of the movie. Uh, when Granny Ruth and the freaks bring Belial into the sheriff's station and he fucks up everybody. Yeah. Um, so best, best, uh, some of the best kills of the whole series here. Oh, for sure. Um, I like the freak party when they, when Eve gets shot. I thought that was, I don't know. Yeah. I just about, it's the movie. So it is just the Muppets. You're right. Yeah, yeah, it's a great yeah. comparison. Um, I mean, like, like the thing is for me, it's just, it gets grading at a certain point. Sure, and that's kind sure. of how, like you mentioned the party and I'm just like, ugh. it's like, okay, I get it. Like, just tone it. Like, can we turn it down it's, a little bit? Uh, yeah. It's annoying. I agree completely. Yeah. That's annoying, but I'm like <laughs> into it. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it makes sense. I, you know, I've not only seen another Yeti, I'm in it. And yeah, uh, yeah, some similar DNA. Um, what else is it? I was going to say something. Um, shit. I forget. You say something. <laughs> um, huh. The exoskeleton fight I thought was pretty fun, too. It's, he looks like Krang. He's a Krang. He does look like Krang. Let me ask you this. Why, of all the movies that I've ever seen with uh, exoskeletons, is this the only one that is in just incredibly preoccupied with how it is being powered? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, there's so much business with, like, the generators and, and Dwayne feeding fuel to it and, like, the... Right, right. The, it's like, who fucking cares? Why is this the thing that you decided to spend a bunch of time on? Yeah, I guess they wanted an extra set of stakes to to yeah. layer on to it. But yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's like unnecessary. We just want to see Belial in a exoskeleton mm-hmm. fucking yeah. up the sheriff. That's all we yeah. really need. I don't need to know <laughs> if it's generator powered or steam powered or AC. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I really don't care. I'll be honest. Um, there was something around... What's her face? Eve getting killed. That had tipped. Oh, man, 
this is I'm bringing my A game today, guys. Uh, <laughs> okay. There was a thought that 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 burst into my mind for a moment and then went away. Um, yeah, good, good. Oh, I remember what it is now. It worked. I just had to hem and haw long enough. So I feel like the freaks, the specifically the freak effects in this movie. Mm. It's mostly the same. I believe it's all the same character models and stuff like in like, Hemingway talks about that. Like we had all these props and costumes. And so they, you know, reused them. Yeah. I think they zhuzhed them up a bit. They zhuzhed them up. And the way they seem to have zhuzhed them up is by making them really brightly colored. Yeah. 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 It's a really bright color palette. This... And I would say that it is uh, for me again, something that adds to the whole grading feeling, but also it makes them less gross. Yeah. Like when they're all just sort of flesh colored, yeah, it's the, creepier. It is creepier. Yeah, no, this one is a cartoon. This feels almost like the Toxic Crusader cartoon yeah. compared to the Toxic Avenger. Yeah. Um, I I liked the scene where we're meeting all of the freaks on the bus, and there's like Elmo, who's the red one, which I was like, is that a Sesame Street reference? I don't think so. I think Elmo's <laughs> not that old of a character. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Has Elmo's been around since 1991? Think so? Yeah, maybe. We had Elmo when I was a kid. Yeah. What are you fucking high again? No. How dare I'm, I'm looking it up. When did Elmo show up? Uh, 1980. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. I think, um, sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. Um. Oh, another funny thing. That when uh, <laughs> Kevin is trying to, or sorry, Dwayne is trying to uh, rescue the babies at the end, and he keeps pulling on the cell <laughs> cell bars. He jumps like five times. She's like, yeah, yeah. I, I, that cracked me up too. <laughs> So I mean, there's some really silly shit in here for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And it got me thinking about other stuff that I, and I'm like, is it just like, is it a defter hand? And I was thinking about like dead alive at one point, And I was like, yeah, hey, I remember the whole thing with like the priest who does Kung Fu. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. That's out of nowhere. It doesn't make any real fucking sense. I but... think you were in a bad mood. I was in a bad mood. I mean, I tried to watch this thing twice, man. <laughs> you were in a like bad mood five days apart uh i'm just a different person now I yeah think. you're a ma- I, more mature person i grew up a little bit yeah all <sighs> right well let's talk about the deaths shall we yeah let's do it um not a lot for a while but eve gets shot by the cops uh mistaken for belial Belial chokes that one cop and his eyes and teeth pop out. Um, he tears a cop's face and then rips his head off. Um, Opal gets shot by one of the cops accidentally. Then she sits on one of the babies and crushes it. Um, Belial turns a cop's head fully around. And then Baxter gets shredded off camera. Uh, and then the sheriff is killed by the babies, and finally Ronaldo gets his face torn off, and I assume dies, although we yeah. don't. That's not confirmed. Mike, what was your favorite death? Um, 
It's the black cop who gets his face stripped off and then his head ripped off. Yeah, it's pretty good. I like that. I like, um, for me, hmm, I, I think I might go with the uh, eye pop and the teeth pop. It's so fucking weird looking. That. I mean, it's the same kind of uh, uh, makeup as all the freaks. the freaks. They just used yeah, it for yeah. some violence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also like Opal getting shot, randomly just getting shot by a cop. I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> and sitting on a baby. We, kind of, we actually we have a similar gag in Yeti where my character, Sex Piss, slips and falls on a fetus. <laughs> I mean, that's. If you believe life begins at conception, I guess it's the same thing. That's, well, it was, I think it was a newborn, maybe. Oh, uh, was it? I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> yeah, didn't you feed a bunch of newborn yetis into like a, a shredder? Uh, or... Shredder, yeah. 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 I got mint flavored blood in my eye and that burned really bad and it stained my I, contacts red. I remember you complaining about it for a really long time. <laughs> yeah, I had to like sit down for a bit because it's like menthol flavored. Yes. Yeah, very painful. <laughs> if I if I remember correctly, I may have been staying with you at that point. Probably. And uh yeah, you you definitely talked about it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh severed thumbs up or down is this movie gory? Yes, this is. This is Yeah, a movie. I I would say um you know, two was a little down tick in terms of of gore. This one is mm-hmm. right up there with the first one. Um, it's a little more cartoonish, as all elements of this movie are, but it's definitely gory. I heard that they had to cut a lot of the gore. I don't know if it's for censorship reasons or for budgetary reasons. But. Yeah, I mean, I know that the last, like all of these, they struggled to get, you know, R ratings and stuff. And obviously we talked about how Basket Case eventually just ran as an unrated cut without mm-hmm. any fanfare. The other thing that I did forget to mention up top when I was talking about Henenlotter in addition to him talking about not wanting to make it, he has also said in multiple interviews that he doesn't like this movie and doesn't think it's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, he made this movie, so what does he know? Um, ghost thumbs up or down. Is this movie scary? Absolutely not. No, no not a chance. And finally, Wed Better Be Head. Um I'll go first. That's okay. That's fine. I was charmed by the cartoonishness and the busyness and the silliness. Um, It was clearly not as well written as something like a, you know, a naked gun or airplane, but it's a similar goofy vibe and they're trying Mm, stuff. They're, They're trying to do a lot of jokes. Not most of them don't really land. But yeah. I was never bored the entire time. And uh, in fact, I had myself a stoned little chuckle through some of it. So I think for that reason, I'm going to give this one a wed. This one's getting wedded. Serious? Yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is one of the oh. bigger disagreements uh, that, oh my God. that we've had on the podcast. It's been, it's been months. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I have a theory now. Because okay. I've had some time to digest this. And I think as the uh as the father of a of a young boy, uh you have spent a lot of the last four, five, six years being 
assaulted by <laughs> children's entertainment. And I think you're desensitized. And it makes a certain amount of sense, right? And I'm sure that, you know, held up against some of the things that you've had to listen to or watch in your home on repeat uh, over and over again, this was probably a lot less grating. Um, my my uh, tolerance is very low hmm. as I am not a, I, I'm not a parent hmm. current, currently. So... I mean, I right off the bat, I think this is probably a your mileage may vary type of situation. Yeah, this I'm, movie. Oh, oh sorry, uh, not to interrupt your final thoughts, but I'll say, I mean, I I like trauma movies for the most part, and yeah, it's like I don't know, it's of us ilk that of something I do sort of enjoy. Yeah, but here's what I'll say: is like I've seen all the uh, you know, I haven't seen all the trauma movies. Um, the Kaufman directed ones, but I've yeah. seen most of them. And, and I will say that it's like, there's something to doling things out at a certain pace with a certain intensity. And I think this movie, especially in the early going is just like the tone is wrong to me and it stays there for too long. If it was to vacillate between being violent and being Muppety, Mm-hmm. I think it would be more effective, but instead it's like the movie almost just asks you to like, Hey, sit through 30 minutes of a completely different thing. Mm. And then eventually you'll get some of the stuff you liked. If you liked the first specifically the first movie, I mean, it's definitely more of a piece with the second movie. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just like cranked up to 11. Um, I think uh, this movie is going to get a behead from me. But it is a behead that is it's just it's just how, how how much this movie was not for me. Yeah. Um Ooh. it's not it's not really uh an evaluation of its quality, although I don't think its quality is particularly high, but um you know, all of these movies are trashy and cheap and this one is just like you know, it just it to to me it found where the line was and then it went over it. And that's not to say that I don't like chaotic wacky um horror adjacent stuff i do sometimes but it's just like the balance was off for me and it didn't work so that's it all right well let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with our superlatives our rankings and uh announcing our next series Okay, we're back, and we have some superlatives that we would like to hand out to the Basket Case trilogy. It's always an honor to be uh, chosen, except for when it's like worst actor or something. But 
It's an honor unless it's a negative category, yeah. in which case it is not an honor. I don't think we have any negative categories this time around. Not today. This is just such a fun, loving series. We tried to keep it light. Yeah, try to keep it light. Um, well, we, I said worst actor. Actually, our first superlative is going to be best actor. So, Mike, who do mm-hmm. you choose as the best actor in a series that is known for its acting. <laughs> really, just the performances in these movies. Yeah. I'll tell you, the, the performance across this fi- of these films that resonated the most for me, and this isn't a joke. This is like when I think about, before we sat down to watch these, it had been five years or something since I'd seen Basket Case. And, and one of the things I always remember about Basket Case is... The hotel manager from the original Basket Case. Yeah, he's really good. <laughs> uh, he's played by Robert Vogel. He's not a professional actor, but you know what? He must be a professional CD hotel manager because he really knocks that out of the he park. He has such a great look. Yeah. Really, really great look. He's got um, some funny lines. Yeah. That's my, my guy. My choice, um, I was going to say, is from also from Basket Case 1, but really... She's in all of them. It's Beverly Bonner as Casey, who yeah, it's just pretty enjoyable. She, I, I don't know. She has a fun energy about her. I like that they keep bringing her back for all the movies. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I there you it. go. I dig it. Beverly and what's his name? Frank? Hotel manager. Hotel manager. <laughs> Come collect your he has a real name. awards if you're still with us. I'm not sure. <laughs> chances are bad yeah Uh um okay so belial has been represented in this movie three times uh and we are going to pick are we ranking the belials or are we picking the belials i'm sorry we're ranking the belials we're we're ranking our favorite belials from well from Uh, bottom to the top from bottom to the top and i guess is there is there a, a consensus on criteria? Is it whatever I want it to be? I think it's whatever you want it to be. Okay. Honestly, I mean, right. I'm going based on look. Yeah, based that's kind of what I was thinking. Um, manipulation of Belial. You know what I mean? Like sure. how they got Belial to to come yeah, alive. look and look and movement. Yeah. So it's yeah. an aesthetic. It's an aesthetic award. Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. It's yeah. not like best care, like best character art. <laughs> no, no. In the no. movie. I mean, I guess uh, if you really want to factor that into yours, you can. I don't. I don't no. care to. <laughs> All right. I'll start. Um, my number three, my worst Belial in terms of creature design and movement is Belial from Basket Case 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, I'm right in lockstep with you. My worst Belial is Belial as portrayed in Basket Case 2. Yeah. They really focused on sticking, like, I think Kevin's head in there. Yeah. It just doesn't, I'd I'd rather him be a puppet. It it doesn't look like Belial. It looks like a guy's head in a Belial body. Mm -hmm. Um, and also they use a pretty shitty, uh, puppet like a a a handheld puppet for when he jumps on people's faces yeah yeah that's completely motionless it's just a person holding a little belial body to their face yeah uh and also looks shitty it's not great 
Um, so I, I'll go to number two. Uh, my number two is a little bit of a step up from from part two, and it's the Blyle from part three. Um, they gave his coloring a little, like they did a little bit more on his coloring. He's not just like a flesh tone from my recollection. He's a little gray maybe. Um, and they do more puppeteering in less. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I actually didn't notice if they had any faces in Belial. They may not have. I think this is like kind of an animatronic if I had to guess. Mm. I think he's just got some simple motor control in his mouth and his eyes. Um, or maybe it's just somebody's hand in there. But uh, but either way, it's it looks more like the Belial I know because it's it's a face that couldn't be a person's face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, then our number one, both of us, is the OG Belial mm-hmm. from the original Basket Case. And I got to tell you, one, his his shittiness is appealing. Like he is supposed to be a freak in a basket. Yeah. So yes, he looks bad, but also it's like I don't know. That could be what he looks like. He's a thing that got fucking sawed off the side of this dude's, you know, yeah, abdomen. Yeah. And we got um, some fun stop motion. There's yeah. different techniques that they use with Belial. It's like you said, the shittiness is part of it. It's part yeah. of the appeal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Those are our Belials. All right. So we had a category for the probably most famous freak of them all in these movies. Yeah. But we're uh, going to, I guess this does not involve number one, unless you want to say like, no, let's say we can't use the, Belial. The, the like thief pervert guy from the first movie. Uh maybe he's not a pervert. I don't I don't mean to kink shame him. Um, <laughs> I think this is just a this is just a two and three category. Yeah, just a two and three category. Um our favorite freak. Yeah. Why don't you kick us off? Okay. Um mine I spied in the middle of Basket Case Three of the Progeny. It was a it was a bright spot in my viewing experience. I th- I think it's a she. I mean, I don't want to presume sure uh pronouns uh but th- I think they're <laughs> only in it for like 5 seconds. <laughs> mm. But uh I think it's during uh during the party um you you get a, you catch a glimpse of two of the other f- more uh recognizable freaks with a freak that is like a kind of giraffe crossed with ET. Um yeah. <laughs> Like their neck is super super long, but then their head is like, uh, ET head almost, but like even stretched out even more, like yeah. a hammerhead shark or something. Yeah, yeah. Mike, that one, that one was weird. We continue to be in lockstep. Oh man, because that was my favorite freak. Wow. Yeah, I wrote um long neck freak with a T for a head. Because <laughs> it does like their head looks like a letter T and has like yeah. eyes on each end. It's really fun. It's really um, just something straight out of Star Wars, you know? Yeah, it really is. It's just, it's, it's great. I love that freak. Congratulations, freak. I don't know yeah. which one, you, what your name is. Perhaps she just dropped in from the Mos Eisley Cantina. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to tell us who shot first. <laughs> Eric. <laughs> I did. Oh, I mean, I always shoot early and first. <laughs> um, all, right. all right. Finally, our final... Well, sort of. Part one. <laughs> sort of. Um, we we're going to rank our favorite baskets. In the in the series of, of the three movies, right? 
Yeah. Oh, okay. no, oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Sorry. The Our favorite wicker baskets we're going to rank. Yeah. What are, what are the best baskets? And again, this could be purely aesthetic. Mm-hmm. I mean, also, it, you know, maybe just sort of the significance that the basket carries in the film could be a factor. Um, I'll say uh, my number three uh, is probably... The, the number three, the progeny. Um, I feel like the baskets, it's just, uh, it looks a little too much like they bought it at a Pier 1 Imports. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with the basket from this movie, from part three as well. Um, it is, yeah, it's an unremarkable basket. Looks looks higher quality maybe than the other baskets but that's yeah. part of the reason why i don't like it as much yeah exactly yeah okay what's your number two uh my number two is you know do i go with my heart or with my mind my brain or the heart i'm gonna go with the brain i guess okay. it's gonna be the basket from basket case one because uh i feel like that lock feels very flimsy and ineffectual mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, obviously it's clear what my pit top pick is. Well, I'll, I'll get to it then. What about you? <laughs> uh, I'm going to switch it up here. I think the, the, the second best basket is from the second movie. Sure. Um, it's, uh, I have no real strong feelings on this basket. I'll be honest. It's, it does its job. It's workmanlike. Yeah. Um, it just feels sturdier than the other baskets it does feel sturdier is that what i want out of a basket in the basket case series i don't know tune in for my number one pick and i'll give (laughs) you some more some more insight yeah so my number one is uh the basket from part two which like i said i think is just a it doesn't look fancy like the third basket Mm -hmm. it's not it's not a fancy pants basket yeah it's more sturdily uh constructed it feels than the first more believable yeah. My number one pick is the original basket mm-hmm. from Basket Case. And Eric, I pose this question to you. What kind of movie series we would ha- would we have if Belial could never get out of his basket? Mm, that's a good point, too. The whole point you know? is for him to get out of his basket. He's yeah. not really in the basket much in part two. <laughs> no, he's not. Maybe it's I sort of a foolish it's, one. <laughs> it's an accessory as much as anything. <laughs> Um, it's not really his home anymore. Yeah, I'm sticking um, with it. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you know, the unpredictability of his behavior in this series, the perhaps the engine that powers that, is the flimsy basket. Mm. Um, when the guy in the the bathroom just kicks with it a up. single kick kicks the lock fully off the basket. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't need a lot of struggling with a strong basket. Let's get Belial out of there. Let's get him ripping some faces. You make a good point. You know what? I'm actually going to switch my my pick <laughs> to the basket from part one. Okay. Cool. Uh, that sounds great. Well, you know, we're talking about baskets from the basket case movies. It got me thinking, Eric. Where do you think the basket case basket ranks amongst all baskets? Hmm. Yeah, so this is our top four baskets from all baskets. Yeah, that's right. right. Uh, my uh, why don't you start it up? Yeah, my number four 
um, is a distinct childhood memory of shopping there. It's uh, a chain of supermarkets in New England mm. called Market Basket. Oh, sure. I've heard of that. Yeah. It has a very distinct smell, the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> I think it was in Portsmouth, <laughs> New Hampshire, maybe. I can't remember exactly. Um, yeah. So Market Basket. Um, it's in the number four slot mostly because of that smell, which uh, I just don't know what. I think it's like a combination of like cardboard and I don't know. It's very weird. It's a weird smell that would just was burned into my mind. Interesting. Well, that's a that's a really interesting pick, Eric. Thank you. I respect it. I'm an interesting man. Yeah, Eric. Did you know that baskets are one of the oldest? carrying devices known to man what yeah wow um you're blowing my mind (laughs) uh what can i say um all right my number four uh painfully nerdy as it is they're very important to me so i'm gonna go with disc golf baskets oh sure gosh (laughs) i didn't even think of that Wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I throw I throw discs into one almost every week. Yeah, I do too. And they got really satisfying chains. Yeah. That that make noise when you make a basket. Um. Yeah. So that's my number four. Disc oh wow. Baskets. I think okay. Yep. Uh. Yeah. So the I'm sorry. Correction. I don't want any angry letters. <laughs> the market basket that I used to shop at when I was a child was in Summersworth, New Hampshire. There you go. Uh, okay. My number three, I'm going to go with Easter baskets full of sure. treats and eggs. And mm-hmm. I love those Cadbury cream eggs. I'd always get one or two of those in my Easter basket, along That's with those fun. that plasticky green grass. Did you get that? That plastic green grass? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which looks like you should be able to eat it, but you can't. You can't. No, it's definitely like bad for the environment and in a oh, yeah. landfill somewhere in a fatberg <laughs> in like the sewer uh brief tangent uh easter is just around the corner for those who celebrate uh i do not um but uh my wife and i grabbed uh, at her request a nostalgic item we grabbed some cadbury cream eggs at the grocery store and brought them home. Uh, And both of us were in strong agreement that they're fucking terrible. And we think that they taste different from when we were kids. Hmm. I, I think they've significantly, significantly jacked up the corn syrup content. They're just unbearably sweet. They don't taste like anything. Hmm. You just put it in your mouth and it's like, ah, yeah, it's too sweet. And I remember them having, like, there was a way in which they almost made you think of an egg. Yeah. Because it was like, it's like, ooh, it's a little, there's something rich about this inside. And now it's just like, no, it's just sweetness. Yeah. 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 Uh, Um, Yeah, I haven't really had one in a while. Uh, My number three basket Mm -hmm. uh, is the basket from the original basket case. Oh, Uh, wow. Yeah. It makes the top four. Uh, yeah, definitely. I just, I, I have a, a, have a long standing positive relationship with that basket. Um, and not only is it my favorite of the basket case baskets, it's my third favorite basket. 
that's that's really nice to hear. Um, all right, number two. Uh, for me, damn. I mean, really, this. If I had thought of it, it probably would have been disc golf mm. basket, but I didn't. So I'm going to go with my number two, which is a picnic basket. Oh sure. Uh, made is it animated by Yogi Bear? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, oh, he's always trying to steal it. It would uh charm me to no end watching that. Yeah. That bear and his uh child lover. What is Boo Boo to him? <laughs> I think it's his nephew, oh, something like weird. that. Uh, that's a weird relationship. Or is it just his short buddy? Let's, his short let's buddy. look it up. <laughs> he, I don't know. He's minor coded. For sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Um, <laughs> anthropomorphic dwarf bear. Yeah, but you know what? He wears a bow tie. He does wear a bow tie. Do you know a lot of kids wearing bow ties? Not anymore. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I did at one shame. point. Yeah. It's a fucking shame. Um, I mean, there's nothing on Wikipedia about his origin story. Um, Boo Boo's parents were killed in a car crash, and then Yogi had to raise him as his own son. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's also the responsible one, so maybe. Okay, it says Boo Boo is Yogi Bear's constant companion, not his son. Okay, as sometimes believed. Um. Okay, so that's all we know for sure. That's all we know. I mean, for sure. they could be a couple. They could right? be. A couple. They could be an adult couple, and he's just short. You're right. You know? You're right. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, there's a lot of discourse (laughs) on Twitter nowadays about, I'm I'm sure probably TikTok too, because that seems to be where brains are even more broken about how, you know, like dating a woman who's like, you know, five feet or shorter, even though they're an adult is like minor coded. And it's, It's that's grooming. I read one that's like, that's grooming. And I was like, what? Do you? Even, what ridiculous. does grooming even mean to you? Yeah. So this it adult, has a definition. This adult woman can't date people, <laughs> like because she's short. She must date shorts. That's yeah. so weird. Anyway, uh, what's your number two basket? Um, I had originally wanted to say because I thought it was funny, uh, the FX series baskets. Mm. Um, but I've never seen it. So. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah. But I don't know. Maybe it's your number one, and now you're furious with me, <laughs> just quietly fuming. No, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Um. So my number two basket is a basketball basket. Sure. Um, I liked basketball a lot when I was younger. I still like shooting hoops sometimes. Um, yeah. There's not too much to it. That's that's it. I just like baskets. I like I like shooting baskets. Well, number one for me is the FX series baskets. <laughs> Which I did it. watch. Do you want to edit it out? No, no, no. It's funny. Um, starring Zach Galifianakis and really a, an amazing performance by um, um, Louis, Louis Anderson. Anderson as his mother. Yeah. Uh, great, great performances. Yeah, may, may he rest in peace. It's a funny show. It's a weird show. Um, I recommend it. Baskets. Yeah. So, Mike, one- then, what is your number one? <laughs> Do you want to try to guess it to see if you can steal my thunder? Um, You're never going to guess it. No, I'm not. (laughs) Go ahead. Uh, My number one basket uh, is one that enters my life some years and not others. Uh, And it is the Zingerman's gift basket. 
Uh, what is that? So, so, so for those who aren't familiar, uh, Zingerman's is a deli in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, but they've become more famous for their gift baskets and gift boxes. Uh, and I have an aunt who uh, used to, when we were kids, always send one to our house. And I think, uh, I, I suspect she kept sending them to our mother. Um and I just didn't see them anymore because I was an adult and I lived elsewhere. Sure. But uh, but I'll tell you, man. So these baskets, uh, here, the Zingerman's ultimate gift basket, first of all, $250. Wow. Um, let me just uh, read to you a little bit of what's in here. And, and when I read these to you, just think, remember that, like, the quality of all of these items is excellent. Okay. Okay. Um, so pastries, you get a sea salted pecan blondie, a magic brownie with walnuts, no nut black magic brownie, ginger jump up molasses cookie. I don't like ginger cookies and I love this cookie. Wow. It's incredible. Actually, that's not true. I like ginger cookies. I don't like molasses based cookies sure. and it's still really good. Oatmeal raisin cookie for mini scones. They're scones made me realize that scones are good. Oh, really? I, yeah, because I don't like yeah. scones. Or scones, scones. <laughs> as some Brits will say. Savory snacks. Holy cow, beef sticks. Best beef stick I've ever had, Eric. Wow. Best. Yeah. It's better than a Slim Jim. Um, Nor'easter Cabot cheddar. Marcona almonds. Oh, Ann Arbor this. tortilla chips. Fundidora salsa. Moroccan green olives. Zingerman spiced pecans. Italian Tirali olive oil crackers. Mm. And Zingerman sea salt potato chips. Then we move to the sweets, Spanish chocolate dipped figs. Wow. Zingerman's Zang candy bar. Never had that one. <laughs> I'm interested. And you get a bag of Zingerman's whole bean high flyer coffee. Wow. My mouth yeah. is watering. I am hungry. I mean, I'm not hungry. I've just been ravenous all day today. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I haven't had dinner yet, actually. Oh, you know. Oh, I missed one. Chocolate toffee covered matzah. Whoa. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Like, so anyways, it's like the high class version of just like those uh, saltine crackers with caramel and chocolate on them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They, they just they just took it up a up a uh, economic. What, what do you say? A class oh, tax What's bracket tax bracket. There we go. Thank you. Thank you for bailing me out. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe one of these years I'll uh, I'll send a little Zingerman's gift basket your way. Oh, you can, man. You can see what all the fuss is about. <laughs> That's a dr- I mean, to you, that's just a drop in the bucket. <laughs> <laughs> I'll use some of the Kickstarter money yeah. to send you Zingerman's. Okay. Let's talk basket cases. Okay. Yeah. I think we can do this. I can do this quickly. I think we can both do this quickly. Yeah. Um, so just in brief review, as we always do, uh, the original basket case, uh, 1982, uh, this is... Uh, the one that takes place in the dirty uh, 42nd Street kind of New York uh, slime hole. Everybody likes a good slime hole. I love a slime hole. Yeah, it's uh, mostly non-actors. It was made over a course of a year plus uh, shot on short ends on the weekends. It's, it's, you know, it's everybody's sort of platonic ideal of a really cheap uh, independently made horror movie. Best Case 2, 1990. Much bigger budget. Uh, this one is about 
Dwayne and his uh, separated conjoined twin brother Belial stumbling across a woman named Granny Ruth, who I guess knew their aunt. Um, and they meet a household full of freaks. And uh, Belial falls in love with a fellow freak, Eve. And then Dwayne accidentally kills the woman he loves. And and, and it ends uh, badly. It's a, sort of a, a Greek tragedy almost. Uh, and then just a year later, Basket Case 3, The Progeny. This is the movie we covered today. This is more of Belial, Dwayne, and the freaks. Um, this time they meet some other freaks in another town and kill a bunch of cops. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a mech suit. All right. And that is the Basket Case trilogy. Eric, what is your third and last ranked Basket Case film? For me, that would be Basket Case 2. Um, okay. And it's the one that took the heart took the longest to get going in my mind um mm-hmm. was a little bit unfocused uh comparatively but you know i still i think i gave it a bad i enjoyed it but for me it was the one i enjoyed watching the least what about okay. you um i think i know where you're going with this. yeah mine was best case 3 the progeny mm-hmm. uh it's just a it's the tone was it didn't land with me um, I don't think it's qualitatively any better or worse than Basket Case 2. Um, I just, it, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Maybe if I had started on a better foot with it, it could have won me over. But uh, Sure. Just, uh, it lost me early and never got me back. Makes Kay. sense. Um, my number two. <sighs> Fuck. I mean, really, I want to be a dick and say Basket Case 1. But I know that in... in <laughs> I know that'll hey, never fly. Vote your heart. You get to have your own ranking. That's true. Basket case one. <laughs> I I um I love basket case one. I think it's really fun mm-hmm. and I love the greatness uh-huh. of it. Um and it's I was just yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Okay. I don't have any because okay. I don't have any specific qualms against basket case one. Mm-hmm. You're fucking psycho. Um, <laughs> the second best movie in this franchise for me is Basket Case 2. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it is goofy. The freaks are, are wacky. But I think the story follows a little bit more of uh, just the, the beats of a horror movie that I'm looking for. Uh, it continues with sort of the revenge theme and, uh, you know, there are kills doled out throughout the movie as opposed to all just sort of packed into one brief part of it. Um, yeah, it's fine. It's a fine film. Mm-hmm. All right. Go ahead and tell us about your number one, Eric. Uh, my number one, I think, is Basket Case 3. Not by much. I will say not by much. Um, but it... So the two Hen and Lauder movies I like more than all three of these movies are Brain Damage and Frankenhooker. And to mm-hmm. me, Basket Case 3 is the one that feels the most like those two movies. It has a really crazy manic energy that mm-hmm. uh, just left me excited through the whole thing. And yeah, it's annoying. There's parts that aren't great. There's, yeah. That can be said about all of his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like the fever picture of it all and the the swings it takes, sure. um, even if not all of them land. Um, and it was took me by surprise 
too. So I think sure. that has a big, a big part of it. Okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah, tell us about Basket Case One and why you love it so much. Sure. I mean, um, I don't want to put words in your mouth about loving it, but. <laughs> Uh, Basket Case One is my number one. Uh, I do. I'm on the border of loving it. It's it's a. I have a lot of affection sure. for it, and and I'll say watching it this time around only made me like it more. Um, it's not on any kind of Mount Rushmore for me, probably, other than basket based horror movies. <laughs> um, but it's grimy. It's it it has even though it's like silly as fuck. It it has this air of authenticity about it um it's violent it's mm-hmm. not scary but it's the closest to a scary movie of these three yeah um and uh i actually you know it it's funny because you you know you're we talking about trauma when you were sort of defending basket case three earlier and what's funny is to me this movie feels the most trauma mm. uh but then again, you know, my sort of preferred, like my favorite trauma movie is the Toxic Avenger. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this movie, you know, has a similar feel, which is like it is trying to be uh, a little dark, which I think, you know, and that there is like a grittiness to it, even though it's like fucking really silly. Um, and I think that's just effective. And I like the, the performances from all these non-actors, even the ones that are bad kind of work. Like we talked about it. Kevin Van Hentenrick never really works no. in two or three, but for whatever, whatever reason, I had no complaints about him in the first movie. You yeah. Know? Uh, he just kind of fits in with the tone there. Uh, and yeah, I like the, the look of the 16 millimeter film. Um, and, and, you know, we talked about it a bunch, but it's just like, there's nothing, that can top the free production design of shooting in New York City. Sure. Uh in nineteen, you know, eighty one. So that's my number one. All right. So those are our personal lists. Uh different more different than we've ever had, perhaps. All all different. It's all easier different. to do with a trilogy. Yeah, it was just three <laughs> movies. Um yeah. Oh, so, I forgot. Oh my God. I what? fucked up. Well, I had another basket that I wanted to put on my top four. Oh, go ahead. Just say it. <laughs> a cornucopia. Oh, sure. That's a good basket. I've never seen yeah. one in real life, though. Me neither. That's why I want... Uh, that's It's mythical. A mythical um, basket. Okay. Anyway, so we need to come up with a consensus ranking. I think it's pretty straightforward. I think it's pretty straightforward, too. I think one goes to the top for mm-hmm. our kill streak rating. And I, I'm not going to yeah. fight you on that one. It's, it's a, Yeah. Um, and then I think... Probably, I mean, I would fight for number three to be number two and then number two to be number yeah. three. Um, when I, I think if we consider Basket Case 1 moving to the top of the list as in some way a concession to my rankings, then it would only make sense to balance it sure. by letting you dictate, you know, where your beloved Basket Case 3 lands. And, and, and I think it makes sense, too. I think a lot. I might be in the minority of like. I'd love to hear what our what our listeners think. Yeah, yeah, I would like to hear that too. You can write to us at killstreakpod at gmail dot com, uh, or on Instagram at killstreakpod. So I wasn't actually trying to move you out of the segment. No, no. I mean, I think uh, it's yeah. I think it's time. Yeah. So just to be really official, uh, Basket Case Three is the second ranked, and our last ranked is Basket Case Two. 
as we mentioned, taking a week off. But when we come back, we have we have a uh, a five movie series. We're going back to weird little guys around this time period. This is kind of weird. We don't usually do that. Um, but we're what gonna... if we did a whole year of weird little weird, guys? Weird little guy. I mean, it started with the Gremlins in December. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're gonna be covering Critters. Yeah, which I'm excited about. Um, Me too. These are all available on Tubi, oh, except for five, which is I'll just list the movies. So we got Critters One from 1986, Critters Two, the main chorus. There's a colon there. Keep that That's in a, mind. Yeah. Huh. Critters Three, Critters Four, and Critters Attack with an exclamation point. Yeah. Uh, and that last one is from 2019, and I think is only available as a rental in the places that you would expect. I bet it's fucking great. I bet it's awesome. Um, well, we'll find there's out. There's also there's a Shutter show. Did you know that? There is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe we'll check that out. I have a hard yeah. Maybe time. we could. I have a yeah. hard time powering through TV shows. I don't give a shit about. Oh God, no! We certainly wouldn't watch the whole thing, but maybe the first episode. Yeah, yeah, maybe like we could do that as. We a, don't have uh, to do it as a as a third segment. You know? Yeah, yeah, cool. Not an extra episode. No, 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 no. Oh no, those <laughs> days are behind us. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, and as always, I forgot your name, but I'm over here. <laughs>